Hey guys, this is Nikki Trends of Bubble Bath Stories, and we had a chance to speak with Matt Sen of Wrestle Life Radio and get all his insight on everything WWE for WrestleMania 36. Be sure to check us out, all new episode, Wednesday, 1.30 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back and better than ever. I am Wrestle Life Matt, and this is episode 92 of Wrestle Life Radio. I'm here with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle, and we're here to tell you what happened in wrestling this week. Not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot. We had three no fan shows as preparation for WrestleMania, and it was really interesting, and we're going to get into that. But before I do, we're going to do. I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't done it real good in a while, so I'm, I'm going to do old school Chris style. You guys ready? Turn turn the volume down real quick. Just real quickly. Turn it down just a little bit. Are you turn down? I turned mine down whenever you started talking. Okay, that makes sense because I'm loud. If you turn down, here we go. Three, two, this day in wrestling history. I miss that wrestle. I feel. I miss. I like how you told everybody down. to turn their volume down and then did a countdown. Well, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that you know, I'm not blowing out eardrums here, man. You got to. Well, if, you, if they turn the volume down, they can't hear you counting down. <laughs> <laughs> Defeats the whole purpose. Good to the people. Good to the people. So this day in wrestling history, on March 25th, 18 years ago today, World Wrestling Federation held its first ever draft. And this was the brand extension where uh, The Rock went to SmackDown and The Undertaker was drafted to Raw, both as the number one picks. Um, and I, you know, we complained about the draft. Like, if you go back and listen to our shows, we complained about the most recent draft with the weird sports-related stuff. You mean but the I terrible just one? To go... Do what now? <laughs> you mean the terrible one? Yes, the terrible one. They've yes. all been pretty bad. I just wanted to go and just tell you some of the names that were drafted. So the way that it worked is uh, Ron SmackDown each got 10 draft choices, okay? And after that, they were supposedly picked at random. Now, obviously, not really, but, you know, just in kayfabe, that's how it worked. So some names that were chosen. In round five, you have Billy and Chuck. In round seven, you have Rikishi and Bubba Ray Dudley. Eight. You had Devon Dudley, also Brock Lesnar in round eight. Um, round 10, you had Maven. Now, let me give you some names that were not picked in the first 20 picks, all right? Both Matt and Jeff Hardy. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. Diamond Dallas Page. Christian. Trish Stratus. Goldust. Taz and Chris Jericho. Le Champion. Le Champion. He was snubbed by WWE even eighteen, even in 2002. They didn't take him seriously. Come on, guys. They nope. picked Maven before Chris Jericho. <laughs> Maven before Trish Stratus. And they did uh, the Maven before anyone else. And I mean, just guys, just, oh my gosh. And, and before Maven. that, they did the brilliant idea of splitting up the Dudleys. Yeah. Look how well that Which, worked out. Well, always, it worked out for Batista. So, you know. <laughs> they always split them up every tag team. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, Vincent Man hates. You guys are a hot tag team. Let's split you up. One of the best tag teams ever, the Dudley Boys, ever. 
And uh, yeah, the, what, what's the best thing to do? Let's just let's split them up. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's so, all Shawn Michaels' fault. What? Oh, yeah, because he, he became a big star out because of the Because he split team? up the Rockers. He became a star. And Vince was like, oh, man, I got to split up everybody now. <laughs> Devon's it, man. He's the next big thing. <laughs> Actually, you know, Bubba Ray Dudley, a lot of people thought he was going to be something special because he's so good on the mic. I, I thought he was it good as a single star. Yeah, it, it just didn't work out. You know, I, I liked him too, but, yeah, whatever. Yeah, not in WWE, whatever but reason. Bully Ray was a much better character, for sure. Right. So let's talk about, before we get into AEW, Raw, and SmackDown, let's talk about these uh, no-fan shows. And AEW's was very different than the Raw and SmackDown that we saw last week or this yes. week, and we're going to get into that. Yeah, surprise, good. surprise, their show was better. I mean, significantly better. But I, you know, I know Rain gave SmackDown a really good rating last week. And I think you mentioned to her, if I remember right, well, Matt gave this an F minus or something like that. <laughs> Maybe it was, it was raw, I think. But let's just, let me just say, I am aware that the WWE is doing the very best they can, um, which no, they're not. In, in my opinion, is it, <laughs> well, let's, okay, let me, let me rephrase this in a different way, okay? I understand that right now there is a really challenging situation going on in basically the entire world on planet earth right now that is making it difficult for many companies to deliver on whatever they're trying to do. So for example, for wrestling, they can't really put on a wrestling show and there has been many, many issues that we will get into, but with the way AEW put on their show, which Micah said on the podcast, I'd really like to see, you know, that maybe some wrestlers out in the crowd. Well, AEW obviously listens to our podcast. We know that because they've done things that we've recommended before. And boy, wasn't it just a lot better. Yeah, it's amazing when people listen to their fans. It's crazy. I know. No, but yeah, they definitely had a lot of benefits on their side for the way they set up. And you'll actually see, looking at Raw coming up, they made some changes. Perhaps they uh, took a little bit off the top from AEW. Which is fine. Well, it's it's not like they did anything astronomically different. They had a different camera angle that didn't highlight empty chairs, which was right. not that, you know, brilliant of a move. But I mean, compared to WWE, it was brilliant. And they had people in the crowd, like what, five heels and five baby faces on each side. They were just yeah. yelling during the matches, but it just gave the show life. It it made the you know, it made a lifeless show, you know. Gave it some life. So I actually thought that's what WWE was going to do from the start. Cause I, I mean, I, I said to you guys, they have a real opportunity to do something really fun with these shows, but they didn't do it. They're, they're starting to do a little bit more with it. And I mean, they, I guess they try to do some fun with triple H early on, but yeah, I, I mean, triple H was great. Yeah. So I actually really enjoyed the first SmackDown just because of triple H. Yeah. And they said, no more of that. That's too fun. I know. I don't get it. But the matches weren't good. Right. I mean, Daniel Bryan Cesaro was okay because they tried, but. I mean, it was great, but it was like seven minutes. Yeah. And it was weird. So, yeah. So let me tell you how the show is going to go tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So we are going to focus on AEW because it was really good. There were two major, major things that happened on this show. And then we're going to speed round through Raw and SmackDown because we're going to end the show with trivia 
and I'm really looking forward to it because I love I love me some trivia, and I know you guys are looking forward to it too. Am I right? I'm not looking forward to getting screwed over again. If that's what you're talking about, <laughs> as long as I'm Shawn Michaels in the situation, that's okay. Okay. Are you go. calling me Marty Jannetty? No, I'm calling you Bret Hart. Hey, I don't take that. <laughs> or are you insulting him because he's Canadian? Like, is that what you're going for? I don't no, understand. I'm saying it was the hey, Montreal. Go to another podcast for like triple oh. the money. Oh, I get it now. Okay. Yeah, if you tripled your money, how much would you be making if you went to another podcast? Uh, well, still zero, but zeros <laughs> <laughs> oh, of dollars. Yeah. So let's talk about dynamite. Let's talk about three how zeros. The show, the show opened. The show opened with Cody who had this awesome and passionate speech about how, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now and we all need to come together. And then he just, just tied it into, you know, and the elite also needs to come together. And he talked about, you know, Matt Jackson and Hangman Page. And he even talked about Kenny Omega, who he said, you know, don't always see eye to eye, which is true if you know their New Japan history. You know, they had a, a big feud there. So then Kenny Omega and Matt Jackson came out and they both talked. The camera angle was really cool. And we are going to get deeper into that just for a very specific reason. Um, so the camera angle was staring at the entranceway instead of at a bunch of empty chairs, like you briefly mentioned, and it looked great. And so after Matt Jackson and Kenny comes out, they call Hangman Page and Matt's like, hey, man, I just need to know that we can depend on you tonight. And we can depend on you at Blood and Guts. And Hangman's got his whiskey in his hand. And he kind of raises his glass and nods his head and turns around and walks away. And it was just a really, it was really well done segment. And it was so somber and so quiet. And it was so cool because Cody, Cody's one of the best promos in the business. And the fact that he opened with how the world needs to come together and then seamlessly moved this into, you know, the elite needing to come together, I just thought was really great. Micah, tell me a little bit about what you thought of this, and can you go a little deeper into how the camera angle actually worked and how it made it feel? Yeah, I think this is a master class on how you pull this off. Um, you have, you know, and when you look at Raw and SmackDown, how they've been doing, they just open it up, and it's the intro, and they've got, welcome to SmackDown, you know, uh, they've got the music going, they've got the lights going, and they don't really acknowledge what's going on. And, I, and there's two there's two schools of thought. You know, you have the thought of, you know, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. People don't need to hear about it anymore when they come to watch their entertainment. But on another hand, there's, you know, the school of thought of, hey, everybody's going through this together, right? We're watching some of our favorite wrestlers on TV, our favorite entertainers, and we want to see hear their thoughts on it, you know? We need to experience this together and not act like they're in an alternate universe. So you come in, you've got Cody, and uh, it's completely dark. He's got a spotlight on him. You can't see anything that's going on around him. And he just kind of pulls us in to to this aura of the way the show is going to go. So it just kind of eases us in. And the way he pulled in the elite feud and everything, I was just... I, I thought, I don't know if you can open up this show in this situation a better way. Um, it was just great. Uh, Hangman Page came out with his Dixie Chick shirt on, which I also it thought was, was awesome. great. Um, yeah. he, had, he had made some quotes on Twitter asking for the Dixie Chicks as his entrance music. Uh, what, what was it? Uh, something Cowboy? I have no idea. I don't listen to the Dixie Chicks, but I thought this was funny. Um, yeah, it, it was all great. He was keeping his social distance from the guys, you know. 
Uh, but yeah, it was it was just a masterclass on how they should have started this show. Um, and and you know, it, speaking to their fans directly, I thought that right. was that was just really good. They didn't they didn't treat anybody like children or act like you know trying to hide any anything about what's going on. So I, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's contrast WWE completely. I mean, you could argue that you know Triple H had a speech and then Cody had a speech. So like, oh, they're copying them. But I mean, he had to come out and say something. It's obviously an odd show. But WWE, like you said, you made a good point, Micah. And it's my biggest issue with these shows is WWE, they're just doing business as usual. They they pretend like nothing's going on. They call this, I forget how they word it each time, but it's obviously in WWE speak. They're, they're given a line. It's like a dire situation. And they just like, on SmackDown this week, Michael Cole just like glossed over it in the middle of the match. He's like, oh yeah, we know we have a dire situation, but we're here to entertain you and blah, blah, blah. And they just gloss over it. And I pointed out last week that the Roman Reigns interview, he just said, what a crazy year you've had, Roman. Like they just ignore it. Whereas AEW's like, hey, we know what's going on and they're bringing it in their stories. We need to come together. Like they're just acknowledging it up front and it makes it so much more real. And you're supposed to at least suspend disbelief and try to make wrestling real, even though we all know it's fake, but you got to try and they predetermined. Yeah. But they jump head first into it. Like they, they are just, you know, they're upfront with you and they don't try to pull the wool over your eyes. Like WWE does. Cause it's not business as usual. It's different. This is a weird time we're living in and AEW acknowledges it. But have you heard that WrestleMania this year is too big for one night? <laughs> Too big for one building, too, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. After this match, it's, it's or I'm sorry, after this, before the matches start, it's just so good. MGF is outside in the crowd. Tony Schiavone's there. And he ta- he asks MGF if he's going to have a match tonight. MGF says, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy it. And let's be honest, we're going to let the undercard work for their money because I saw the winner's purse for tonight, and it's just not worth my time. And he's holding, like, these... I think $100 bills. And he's talking to Sean Spears as Tony is interviewing him. And they're gambling, preparing for the matches. And MGF's like, you want in on this, Tony? And Tony's like, oh, aha, aha. Now to the ring. And then he looks down at Sean. He's like, how much you got on this? And it was just, it was so funny and just so out of the ordinary. I absolutely loved it. Did you, did you like this, Kyle? Yeah, I mean the whole the whole night was full of stuff like this where they let the wrestlers be on the outside and like I said, it, it gave life to this show. They just got to go out and be their characters, get their characters over. And I mean MJF betting on people, you know, for matches, which is fantastic. And I even love this the new concept of um, at least it's it's newer to where they say these guys win purses, they win money for winning these matches. So it actually gives you know a reason for them to be doing this, which I'll yeah. get more into on my review because there's something that stuck out on that show on SmackDown that uh, kind of bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was, I thought it was perfect. Um, I, I think whoever came up with the idea of having the wrestlers ringside, you know, deserves to be signed on to AEW. My, my inbox is open. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I thought it was great. Uh, anytime MJF is able to show his personality, which honestly MJF, throughout this entire episode replaced 10,000 people, 5,000 people, how many people they have. Yeah, he did. And didn't even take me out of it, man. 10,000 fat losers, as he would say. <laughs> yeah, you know, guess guess I'm a fat loser. I would be if they would have canceled my New Orleans show, but I understand. 
I, I get mm. it. It's for everybody's safety. Still a little yeah. salty. No, uh, I, I'm mainly just salty about the fact they pushed it back to December, but whatever, you know. A long back, time away. Back to the episode. No, he 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 replaced an entire entire crowd of people, and you didn't even notice that it was different. Yeah. In, in a lot of situations. Like, I'm watching halfway through, and I'm like, man, this feels like a regular episode of Dynamite. And yeah. I think that's that's one of the things that happened that that caused that was MJF's brilliance through the entire thing. Yeah, and he 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 and Sean Spears were out there with Tully. Uh, Lance Archer came out with Jake Roberts, and they had an interview later. Colt Cabana, SCU, Sonny Kiss, they were all out there. Brandy was doing the ring announcing because I guess Justin Roberts uh, couldn't travel, so it, it was just a strange it was a strange night. But it just the the crowd noise, even though it was just very light. It just it made a difference. It did because they hardly ever showed the crowd until like something specific was happening. You know, you would have Sean and MGF uh, betting, and so they would show them. Or when Lance Archer came out, they showed him. Uh, at those one point where Dustin Rhodes was out there and he was you know reaching at one of the one of the heels, it was just it was just really well done. The the whole you can tell that they love putting this on. They love doing this. They love putting on these shows. And it's just it, you can tell the way it comes off. It just, it's just great. Maybe Dustin knew he was a uh, he had a coronavirus. He's trying to reach out to the hills and give it to one of them. <laughs> That's what it is. That's that makes sense. So you had best friends versus Lucha Brothers next. Orange Cassidy is out there on commentary. He basically slept through the match. This match was very solid. Uh, it ended with a package pile driver double stomp. I will and, say uh, I loved when uh, Chuck Taylor was flexing, and you heard MJF say. Yeah, you're pretty built for a potato. <laughs> Something along those lines. It's so good. It's oh, yeah. so good. Yeah, so Pentagon kicks Trent in the balls. Uh, they do their finisher on Chuck and get the pin one, two, three. And as they're leaving, Tony Schiavone's outside of the ring and he's talking to the, to the best friends. And Trent just comes up and he's like holding himself. He's like, oh. Oh gosh! And, just, and, and Tony says, "Are you okay?" And he goes, "No." <laughs> just walks away, and it just it makes it more realistic because I will tell you, if something like that happens, you don't get over it in six or seven seconds like you do in WWE. That's something that sticks with you. So it just it made it seem more realistic that Trent was pulling that off. Um, do you want to say talk about what Chuck said and announce the uh, the match for next week, Micah? Yeah. So basically, um, they just got beat by the Lucha Brothers. Um, and now they think they can take them in a street fight or a parking lot brawl, they said, yep. which is interesting. It's, it's a good way to say, Hey, you know, we don't have any fans here. Let's do something new. Let's do something that doesn't really require fans. Something you, and even in WWE fans aren't really involved with, they're usually watching on a screen. So let's have a parking lot brawl. I thought was very good. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because they just got beat cleanly. Well, kind of cleanly. And now they think they can beat him in a street fight, but whatever. I, I, like Matthew said, these are trying times. These are dire times, as Michael Cole would say. And uh, yeah, I honestly look really looking forward to that match, though. Yeah, Sam. I wonder if it's going to happen to the parking lot at Daly's place. Because if that's the case, I know where I'm going to be. <laughs> that would I would be willing to bet it probably is, but it'll probably yeah. be pre-recorded. So yeah, it's probably also going to be. Um, no, I doubt that they would let anyone there if it was live. I really, very, very much doubt it. Yeah. So we go into a fatal four-way women's match, and 
a lot of people complained about this, and they're like, oh, they're just taking four women and throwing them together. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, so let's be fair. The women are getting one to two segments to show, and we've all panned on the women's roster for AEW and, and the way, not necessarily the wrestlers, but the way that it's been handled. But I remember in Jacksonville for the New Year's Day show, that Fatal 4 away was the best women's match they had, and this one was also very, very good. It was Hikaru Shida, who had new ring gear, it looked cool, versus Riho, versus Penelope Ford, versus Chris Statlander. And other than Penelope Ford winding up on WrestleBotch for a very strange Hurricane Rana that Chris Statlander still sold, she should not have, uh, this match was pretty stinking good, and Shida got the win uh, by pinning Ford. She's already the number one contender. It just made her look stronger. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was a it was a good match. I like the I like the Fatal Four Ways. Honestly, I wish we'd see more Fatal Four Ways in AEW. Um, like you said, the one they had in the Homecoming show was probably the it, one of the maybe still the best women's match they've had. I don't know. Yeah, that was solid. Another one that I liked better. Um, and you know, yeah, they threw it together. But honestly, what women's storyline have they not thrown together? Right. And, you know, they get a little bit of a pass this week, like you said. But I think it's business as usual. So, at this point, why keep harping about it, <laughs> you know? Right. Kip Sabian kept trying to get in or kept trying to get involved. Uh, after the match, they had an interview with Colt Cabana, who's like, man, that Penelope Ford sure looked impressive. Too bad her boyfriend kept trying to, to interrupt and basically cost her the match, because he did. And Kip Sabian comes up, and he's like, you trying to talk to me? And slaps Colt Cabana. Who just backhands him in the face? He's like, dude, you realize that I'm a wrestler too, right? Like, you can't just come up here and slap me. And Kip Sabian, like, kind of walks away. And it was it was great, and it's going to be a good setup. He said, I'm also a wrestler. And now, Cole Cabana on Pro Wrestling Tees has a shirt that says, I'm also a wrestler. <laughs> Cole Cabana is slowly Smart becoming man. one of my favorites. Smart he's man that Cole Cabana is. I'm great, I've man. Cabana, man. He's, he's really good. Yeah, I, I was telling one of my friends the other day, I was like, you know what? Everybody wanted CM Punk to AEW, but I would 10 times rather have Colt Cabana than CM Punk. He's hilarious. He's I love, good. love everything about him. He's great. Yeah, And he's a he's, really good wrestler. He is. Very solid. And his in-ring stuff is very different. So it works out really well. Yeah, that Superman pin is fantastic. Yeah. So we had Butcher and the Blade versus Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy next. Uh, the finish came where Butcher and the Blade were pretty much controlling the match. And MJF yells at them because he's got money on them and says, do your finisher right now. And, of course, it doesn't work out. And then Luchasaurus and uh, uh, Jungle Boy get the win. And the Butcher and Blade has won one tag team match so far. So if they're hired guns, they're not doing a really good job. I wonder if this is going to sow the seed for MJF and Butcher and the Blade to kind of break apart. What do you guys think? Uh, hopefully, because uh, obviously MJF is, you know, I could see him having a, a big crowd around him, but I think all he needs right now is Wardlow. Like, I don't think he necessarily needs to be associated uh, with Butcher and the Blade uh, and, and the Bunny. I think, you know, them going their separate ways would probably be best. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really want Butcher and Blade associated with MJF either. So. And and to be fair, they are just kind of an association right now. They're not like a stable. So uh, I think it'd be pretty easy for them to go on. But I thought it was a good way to, you know, for MJF to kind of boss them around. Like I, I liked how they did the finish of that. Yeah, another way for them to get involved too. 
um, the, the get the crowd involved, so to speak. And also, uh, I don't know if you saw the end of the match. Uh, then during the finish of the match, uh, Jungle Boy is supposed to do a suicide dive onto the butcher, and he just doesn't get up. So he just jumps out of the ring through the middle rope and kicks him. And I thought it was hilarious because Jake Roberts in the back just busting his gut. Right. He's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell Jungle Boy was like, yeah, what do you do? You know? Yeah. I know it was funny. It was, it was kind of a botch, but I also just thought it was funny. There were a couple botches on this show, but it it was fine. It wasn't anything other than the Penelope Ford thing. Nothing that really jumped out that was like super obvious in my opinion. Yeah, so, that was that was the most notable one. So, Uno and Grayson come out of the ring, and Eva Uno says, "The Exalted One is near." And he, which is weird, because last week Christopher Daniels challenged the two of them and says, "Yeah, I'll take you on and prove the Exalted One's not here." I think he fought Grayson on Dark. But uh, they see he's near, and Christopher Daniels comes out of the crowd, and he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Guys, we need you to stop lying, because we all know the Exalted One doesn't exist, right? And so some music hits, and you hear this guy talking, and it sounds a little, like, creepy, right? Well, as he talks, the, the voice starts to change. And so, like, you can, it starts to become clearer little by little, and then if you're a WWE fan, you realize that's uh, it's Luke, it's Luke Harper there. And so he comes out, or on the video, he takes off his hood. He's got his beard all nice and trimmed instead of crazy like Luke Harper. And he says, my name is Brody Lee, and I am the Exalted One. And one thing you can do when you have no fans, because they don't scream and spoil it, he was probably, instead of hiding under the ring, he was probably just randomly somewhere, and it doesn't matter because they showed what was on the big screen. And so he's, as it comes back, he's standing behind Christopher Daniels and Frank Kazarian. Scorpio's guy was not at the show. Uh, so CD and Kazarian are looking up at the screen. They turn around, and the three of them absolutely demolish CD and Kazarian. Uh, Brody Lee pretends to do a Sister Abigail, but turns it into this ridiculous clothesline, which I usually don't like clothesline finishers, but my gosh, I thought he was going to take off Christopher Daniels' head. But before he came out, he did say a line and said, Christopher Daniels, what, what was the exact words? Can you remember? Christopher Daniels, you're not the first old man to not believe in me. Or first out of, out of, uh, out of touch old man to not believe in me, yeah. Sounds like a and shot. It, yeah, obviously, shoot season. <laughs> and so obviously it it was... And uh, I thought this was pretty cool. It's really, really unfortunate that this couldn't be paid off in Brody Lee's hometown. Because uh, yeah. this was supposed to be the Rochester show. But either way, it was really good. And at the time, I'm like, oh my gosh, why in the world is this not closing the show? I understand a lot of people don't like The Dark Order, but this is a, a pretty big, you know, a, a pretty big debut. We'll get to that. But I, I really, I liked it. And I think originally we all thought it was going to be Matt Hardy, um, I don't think any of us actually picked Brody Lee. Honestly, as time went on, I think even as recent as last week, uh, we said, well, there's no way it can be Matt Hardy because all the signs are pointing to it, right? Too obvious. Yeah, so, Micah, I'll let you start. What did you think of this debut, and do you think Brody Lee's the right pick? I do like Brody Lee as the exalted one, and uh, I was, like I was, I was telling you the other day, I'm really, you know, well, I'll, I'll get into that later. 
But no, uh, I thought I think Brody Lee is very good for this role. Um, you had him in WWE as a cult follower, and AEW's done a good job of not acting like WWE, and the characters arcs there don't exist. So you know he went from follower to now he's the leader of a cult. So I, I think that's really cool. Um, he definitely looks a lot better than he did in WWE. I think he's dyed his beard. He's he's a lot more trim and and proper. His ring gear is terrible. It looks like he's wearing maternity pants. Um, it, it's not good. Uh, it kind of actually looks like Kane's gear from like, I don't know, like 03. But it's purple. I don't know. The robe was really cool. I uh, hope he sticks with the robe. But yeah, they're, they're, they're quick to listen to their fans on gear. So I'm sure they'll, they'll address that quickly. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and also talking about how he came out. They actually botched it. They botched the camera. You can actually see him walk out through the interest ramp before he even debuted on the screen. If oh, you really? I didn't notice it. that. Yeah, I didn't notice it either the first time I watched it, but people were talking about it. Because nobody's paying attention to the interest ramp during this yeah. shot. But it like cuts back on, during his video when he's still like the voice is modulated. You can't tell who it was. It cuts to CD to see his reaction. And as it's doing that, you can see Brody Lee walking out uh, from the interest ramp, just walking up behind him. Uh so that's how he came out. He just walked out the intro tramp because nobody else was there. So why, why bother? But uh, yeah, it was a little bit of botch on you know the Kevin Dunns of the AEW. Right. You know, I really like him as the exalted one. I'm curious to see how they go with this. Uh, him and Evil Uno have been great on Twitter. I don't know if you follow wrestling Twitter, but yeah, it's, it's hilarious. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's great. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I uh, think it's I think it's a good spot for him, especially coming out of his WWE run. Cause he, I mean, part of the reason he was always good in the ring, but part of the reason he was unhappy is cause he just wasn't given much opportunity. He was always paired with, uh, uh, what's his face, the ginger. I'm blanking on his name. I can't believe it. Yeah. Eric Rowan. They, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess the spider, it was, a uh, throw me off, but, uh, <laughs> he, he was paired with him, you know, several times. And he was like, like I said, he's always a follower, but, Never really, and I'm I'm surprised Matt. You said that WWE fans might know his voice because they probably wouldn't, because he never really got to talk much in yeah, WWE. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so because uh, accent. Yeah. So I I guess so, but he he he's this chance anyway. He he has a real big opportunity to come in, lead this group, and show you know. I mean, it's the best opportunity he could ask for. He's he's a leader of a faction that's already got like a story built behind it. Like it's just a really good position to be in. And he's a great worker, so I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, it's good. So I also want to talk about this next segment, and they had Lance Hoyt, Lance Archer, Lance Hoyt for you TNA fans, and he was... He's going to Hoyt you. (laughs) He was in this ring in this like weird forest area, which it was Darby Allen's backyard, by the way. And uh, there was, like, all these, like, freak show-looking people. And there was a little person as the uh, ring announcer. And then there was a girl in, like, this bikini top and shorts with curlers in her hair as the ring girl. And then you had, like, this insane clown posse wannabe guy. You had all these other, like, like weird-looking dudes. And I wish they were all weird-looking. Like, I mean, they're all a little strange. But I wish they were all, like, really off the wall. And uh, Jake Roberts was, like, sitting out there, like, staring at his champion as Lance Archer was inviting these guys to come into the ring one at a time. The short version is he destroyed them, and the end showed, you know, from above, I'm assuming a drone shot, 
as Lance Archer stands tall in the ring with all these guys just laid out in the ring and outside the ring, just all these bodies, and it made him look like a killer. How much cooler, and you guys might totally disagree, you might have hated it, but but my question is, how much cooler was this than just like this regular 30-second, oh, look what he used to do. This guy is, you know, he's a cool wrestler, and then move on. I really like this. And Kyle, I'll let you open. So this, uh, the only thing I can think of is, is this the Boneyard? <laughs> yeah, that's the bo- this is the Boneyard. We're not in a raw yet, man. You're just balling thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 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 in the news now. I mean, we're having a boneyard match uh, at WrestleMania, and that's I was like, oh, this is the boneyard. It makes sense. <laughs> All these weird people here. Oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't well, wait I, till AJ and Undertaker wrestle in it. <laughs> I, I really liked this. Um, I thought this was a great way to bypass eighty squash matches to make somebody look powerful which is what WWE tends to do a lot. You know, they want to make somebody look powerful. He gets to kill 12 no-name guys for 12 weeks in a row. And then he gets in a feud and he loses. Um, but no, I, I, this was a great way to build him as a powerful guy coming into AEW. And uh, it was just a really good cinematic. And uh, I'm, I'm sure Darby Allen had his hand in this. You know, he, he does a lot of directorial things. But yeah, more of this stuff would be great. Please, thank you. Yeah, I agree. So I think I I think I skipped it, and Jake Roberts did have an interview outside of the ring with Lance Archer, um, and he basically just said, "Look, we've worn Cody for a couple weeks, and if we, he keeps ignoring us, you know, we're we're gonna make him pay." And that's that was the gist of it. But since it was said by Jake Roberts, it was incredible. This is the way it works. You think the he's gonna uh, play a part in the blood and guts match whenever they decide to have it? It's entirely possible. You know, Jake Roberts might be a grumpy old man in real life, but he is still just one of the best on the mic ever. He's just so good. So yeah. Good. So we have your inner circle versus your elite now, and that is Adam Page, Matt Jackson, and Cody, because Kenny is injured. His hand is supposedly fractured, and Nick Jackson, you know, he's out because his baby was born, but he's technically out because he was uh, KJ attacked him. Yeah, he's a zombie now. Yeah, yeah. De- decapitated, as we said last week. They they wrestled Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. Sammy Guevara was on the outside. Chris Jericho was on commentary. And how good was he? He was so good. He's always good on commentary, man. He's, He's one of the ever. best. He's yeah. the champion. And seriously, man. He's just so talented. Uh, this match was great. The inner circle controlled for most of it. There were a couple spots where like Adam Page got angry because Cody and Matt were tagging each other back and forth instead. The ending was Santana got a roll-up on Matt Jackson, which I'm not a fan of roll-ups, but if you watch the match, I think it made sense. I don't know if you guys disagree, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I think there was even a spot at the end where Adam Page and Matt Jackson were kind of trying to work together, and the roll-up happened because yeah. uh, Adam, Adam was going to take Nick's spot for the indie taker, and uh, uh, Jake Hager pulled him down the floor, and then Santana rolled up Matt Jackson, right? Yeah, right before then, they tried to do the uh, uh, Matt tried to do the double suplex. Yeah, and uh, he couldn't do it. And then all of a sudden, you have Hangman coming in, saving the day, where he can actually pull it off. And yeah. it was a great spot. They kind of looked at each other and like, "All right, man, let's 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 do this." And so yeah. uh, Hangman went to the ropes to do the Indy Taker, and yeah, Matt got rolled up. Yeah, but yeah, I, I loved I loved the little that little uh, storytelling in the in the match. 
it, it right. progressed progress the story along pretty well. Yeah, and they do a good job of that. AEW does a great job of explaining stories in the middle of a match, telling a story with a match. What a, it, what a concept. It, it also goes to show that, you know, this team might not be all on the same page going into blood and guts. Uh, obviously, they've since rescheduled it. They're going to push it back a little bit, you know, because of what's right. going on. But, um, you know, they didn't know that at the time. and But it still matters. I mean, it's showing that the team is not all on the same page, whereas the inner circle are. And uh, right. speaking of which, we also uh, had Sammy Guevara, when Jericho was making his entrance, who did a great job on commentary. He oh, uh, got to sing Jericho's theme music when he was coming out. Yeah. And it was fantastic to the point where Jericho corpsed on the stage. <laughs> he could not help but crack a smile as Sammy was just rocking the mic. It was so hilarious. It's so good. Yeah, you can you can see it on his Instagram too if you want to go watch that part. Not only not only that, but with MJF trying to give him directions about it and then mentioning how he was tenor to see had seat two as a tenor in all state choir. That was also great because that's actually true. Uh, he actually was an all-state choir. And also, sure Sammy, Sammy Guevara also forgot some of the words in the chorus, so he was just, nah, 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 nah. like, it was <laughs> fantastic. So good. It's so good. So the match was great. After it was over, Chris Jericho's and the Inner Circle are out on the ramp. Kenny Omega, who was out ringside, by the way, uh, the, the four members of the Inner Circle are inside the ring. Chris Jericho talks, and I think it ran a little long, but whatever. He's talking. He's like, yeah, we're up one. We have five. You guys four. And we're starting in the ring. You guys have no chance. We've never even said a cross word to each other. You guys can't even get along. And he does a little rant, and then you see this drone. Well, it's first up. you hear it. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a it. swarm of bees in the Cynthia Arena. <laughs> so it's above the elite. And it starts to land, and Matt Jackson says, hold on, hold on, hold on now. Yes, you're right. There are four of you, or there are five of you, and there are four of us. And sure, you guys are going to get to enter the ring first. But there are five of us, because, you see, I, I called in a friend. And as the drone lands, you hear this, like, creepy piano music. And then the camera pans to the top of Daly's place, up on the, I believe it's the third third set of rafters and you see holding his hands out wide matt hardy who says delete a thousand times he looks insane this is broken matt hardy in aew everyone is very excited it breaks my heart that we didn't get that pop because i live for those and oh my gosh would he have gotten one? Oh yeah, I don't know for if sure. Watch the delete episodes, but they were all really good. It's yeah. it's it's still coming. The first show that AEW has back, whenever Matt's music hits, is going to blow the roof off. Yeah. Honestly, the first show AEW has back when the Dynamite theme hits is going yep. to blow the roof off. And they'll yeah. probably be able to get some of Matt Hardy's like broken segments, similar to obviously how they did on Impact, how he wanted to do in WWE but didn't get the chance. Right. I could bet we're going to see some of those episodes, especially since they don't have the audience now on the live shows. They're going to utilize this time, uh, similar to how WWE is filming a lot of their segments uh, for WrestleMania and stuff like that. So I think we'll definitely get some Matt Hardy at the Matt Hardy compound uh, segments. It, it really is perfect timing to get Matt Hardy on board with your company. I mean, you need somebody creative, somebody who has uh, you know something else going for them. 
Right. And to have him come in right now is it's it's really is perfect timing. Matt Hardy version broke. <laughs> so also his hair is red now. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's Damascus. It's a new person. Or it's a new soul uh, inside his vessel. It's it's interesting. I don't know if you guys heard the Matt Hardy Chris Jericho interview on Talk Is Jericho, but it's really really good. So if you haven't, as soon as you're done with this episode, go listen to it. Really really good. Um, so Micah, we're all going to grade AEW this week, but since you are the AEW aficionado and I stole that from you and I apologize, tell me what you would grade this week's dynamite. Honestly, I was sitting and watching this show and going into it, I had very low expectations to be honest with you. Um, I had seen SmackDown, I'd seen Raw. I was like, okay. Well, I guess we're just going to have a couple mediocre AEWs going from here on, and that's okay because they've got a lot going on uh, right. right now in the world. The fact that they're putting on any entertainment for us right now is it's perfectly okay. And I enjoyed this AEW episode maybe more than I've enjoyed any other episode. That's this really episode, good. not even not even considering the circumstances, just in considering how much I enjoyed it, this episode gets an A plus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they, I mean, I'm going to, you know, consider the situation because, I mean, we're grading WWE by this, you know, same metric because they've had an interview. Okay, show. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, the circumstances matter. Uh, I mean, I, I won't give it an A plus because I think, you know, obviously you still have to compare it to their other shows. But, I mean, right. given the circumstances of what they had to do, they still made it an entertaining show. It was a s- success. Uh, you know, and the debut of uh, Brody Lee and Matt Hardy were fantastic. So I'm giving this a B plus, but a very high B plus. Honestly, if this was in front of a live crowd, there's no doubt in my mind I would have given this an A plus. Because I mentioned I live for those crazy pops. I want to hear Brody Lee get that amazing face pop because he's in his hometown until he starts to get booed as the leader of the Dark Order, as the Exalted One. I wanted to hear the crowd go nuts for Matt Hardy. And yeah, we'll still get that. It's not the same. It's not the same. I still love the show. I thought it was absolutely incredible. You know, even the matches were really good. I just, I really enjoyed it. I I don't think it was a perfect show. And I think a show has to be perfect to get an A+. But I thought it was really good. And I'm going to give it an A. I really liked it. thought it was solid. So before we move into WWE SmackDown, we're going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills, play a couple ads for you guys, and uh, then we'll be right back shortly so you can hear Kyle tell you about Rob Gronkowski dancing to the ring because oh that, that was we live for. <laughs> no matter how big a geek you are, has movies that they haven't seen that have other geeks saying, how have you never seen this movie? Well, we're here to help. At the Now You've Seen It podcast, we help you fill those gaps in your geek cred one movie at a time. Each episode, a guest who is watching the movie for the first time joins our rotating cast of hosts and panelists to discuss the movie and compare seeing it through fresh eyes versus seeing it with eyes filtered through the lens of nostalgia. You can find Now You've Seen It on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it, no apostrophe, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for being patient and hanging out through that break. We're going to go into SmackDown, and uh, we're going to do a speed round through SmackDown and Raw because, bluntly, I'm not sure they deserve the time. And plus, they like half the show, they just showed old stuff. Like, I get it, but just, I just, uh, just go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, so we, we basically started out, obviously, the news came out that Gronk is going to host uh, WrestleMania. If you don't know, that's Rob Gronkowski from the Patriots, who has since retired from football. He buddy, he's buddy with uh, Mojo Raleigh. So, of course, Michael Cole and Mojo are in the ring to announce him. Mojo, uh, off of his gimmick, I guess he's recovered from his uh, depression or whatever he was in, where he had the glass on his face gimmick or whatever, chasing yeah, the 24-7. Yeah, he's, he's just back to being Mojo. So, whatever. It's better. So, fine. Uh, Gronk comes out dancing to the ring, as he does. Uh, he was very charismatic. Um, he, he's obviously... He's playing to the camera a little bit, but, uh, I mean, he's new, so we'll see. I think he's got some promise, though. Uh, he basically came in the ring. Mojo and him introduced each other. Uh, he told him he'd have his back because it's, it's different from the football uh, scene where you don't have to just watch what's going on in the field. You, here you have to watch, you know, your front, your back, your side. So just to let him know he's got his back. All of a sudden, King Corbin comes out, also a former NFL player. He gets in the rings, told Gronk it's a little different around here, tells him to get down on his knees, to which Gronk replies, nah, we're good. So uh, obviously Corbin was not happy about this, was wanting to get in their faces, when suddenly Elias' strum interrupted, to which my girlfriend went, ugh. <laughs> to which I not, went, ugh. Yeah, Stephanie is not a fan of Elias. Uh, but he comes, down, <laughs> yeah, he comes down in the ring with his guitar he says he's still got a little song he wants to show, show Corbin. Corbin's like, all right, all right, I'll listen to your song if it means you'll go away. And he said, all right. As he starts kind of playing it, Gronk and Mojo start dancing to it before he even says a word. So uh, he plays a little crappy song. Uh, Corbin's like, yeah, whatever. And he basically tells him to shut up. He gets in Gronk's face. They have a stare off and Mojo gets behind him on all fours. Gronk shoves him over. Elias gets to the ring. He hits him, gives him a DDT. They all stand in the ring and celebrate. And Gronk grabs the mic and says, I might be the host of WrestleMania, but I don't have matchmaking rules or authority, but I'm going to advocate for Elias versus Corbin at WrestleMania. And they all celebrate. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, and, and Elias is celebrating like it's a done deal. Like, Right. Who knows? And Baron Corbin's like, no, I can't believe this is happening. And I'm like, but they just, he just said that he couldn't do it. And who cares? Give him the ability to make matches. Right. He's the host. Let him do a match. Like, why do they have to say, I don't know. Everybody else can make matches. Why can't Rob Gronkowski? As, as we'll see, right. like, you know, later down the show. But basically, it was a good debut for Gronk. Um, I mean, you guys have any thoughts on it? I thought that Gronk looked ridiculous dancing down the ring, but I don't like Rob Gronkowski. I know a lot of people really like him and find him entertaining, and I think he's just fine. I don't know, man. I'm just not a big fan of celebrities showing up on wrestling shows. It's never really been my thing, except for the very rare Bob Barker occasion where you know they, they don't really seem to fit, but it doesn't matter because they're so stinking entertaining. They're just themselves. Yeah, and again, nothing against Rob Gronkowski. He, he did just fine. 
It just wasn't really my thing. Uh, but I, I think that he will bring eyes to the product. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like celebrities in wrestling either, but it's something that's went on for as long as WrestleMania has been around. So I get it. It's something they do. It's not something that's new, but I don't like it. I don't have to like it. However, I will say Rob Gronkowski appeared to have more charisma than most of the SmackDown roster. So, I mean, yeah, he's a little bit of a goofball and he's a little out there, but he was at least a bit entertaining. Yeah, they showed a video package before this too, and it just showed kind of how Gronk is. And this is very much Gronk. So it makes sense. I, I just don't want to see him in the ring full time. Uh, I'm fine with him hosting WrestleMania, maybe even managing for, you know, Mojo, get, you know, give him a little bit of a push. But yeah, I don't want to see him in full time, especially after his injuries. Uh, he's had, I mean, that was one of the reasons he had to retire so early because he was constantly having, you know, back issues and all this stuff. So I think a minimum role could be good for him. So we'll see. Uh, after this, though, we had Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn making their way to the ring. And we had a tag match between Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. They had a pretty good match. Uh, Sami Zayn was obviously on commentary. Uh, this is where they made the, you know, we're here to entertain you during this dire situation comment. So it was whatever. Uh, basically, Daniel Bryan and Gulak won. Um, they were able to, Gulak was in the ring with, uh, I believe it was Cesaro. I can't remember. It might have been Nakamura who took the pin, but he grabbed hold of his arm, made the tag to Dana Bryan, and he did a flip into a uh, a roll for a pin. And so they ended up winning the match. And I like the team of Dana Bryan and Gulak. Um, it's just kind of weird how they just went from this brutal match that they had, this uh, very ballsy match, if you're Daniel Bryan, uh, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so but they just went straight into coach player gimmick. Um, I don't know. I, I like it, but I wish they would have a little bit more story going into it. But uh, basically they won the match. Uh, Sammy called foul saying that they cheated because Brian wasn't the legal man or the ref didn't see the tag. But uh, basically after the match in the back, they had both of them run into uh, the trio again. So, uh, Sammy kept, you know, sticking to his gun saying they cheated. And so Brian said, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Let me take your, you know, challenge you for the Intercontinental belt. And he said, all right, well, if you believe in your coach so much, I'll give you the shot, but only if he can beat Nakamura next week. So it sets up a match next week. And I mean, maybe they'll have the match at WrestleMania. We'll see if, if Gulak is able to defeat Nakamura next week. So pretty good match. Then we had uh, Paige. She's going to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with Michael Cole via Skype since she's not able to be there. She's supposed to be there last week but had travel right. issues. Uh, she's on the big screen for like via Skype. And before she can say a word, Bailey and Sasha come out, interrupt her. They basically go back and forth. And this was just a long drawn out segment for Paige to introduce Bailey's match for WrestleMania. It just took forever. I actually knew the match, like what they ended up making the match. So I just started fast forwarding after they got the first couple names. Like they just kept, she kept going and Lacey Evans will be your challenger. Oh wait, now Dana Brooke. Oh, you want Tamina? Okay, Tamina. And I was like, just get on with it. Like, it was so long. So not a good segment here. Took forever just to name this pointless match. So supposedly at WrestleMania, of course, I think Dana Brooke is now sick. So she's not even on the card anymore. But Yeah, it's a fatal five way now. And can we say, look, and again, I understand, again, these are dire times. What in the world has Tamina done to earn a women's title shot? 
She's yeah, gone she, for like a year. Does she yeah. even work here anymore? That's Bailey. Exactly. <laughs> that was the comment. Yeah. Bailey was like, just, you know, throw Tamina in there. And Paige was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. She should horrible. have been like, wait, does she work here anymore? Yeah. She might, she might have needed to check with somebody, but yeah. So basically at WrestleMania now, I guess the match is going to be Bailey versus Lacey Evans versus Tamina versus Naomi versus Sasha Banks. whoop de doo uh, then we got a recap of Bray Wyatt and John Cena. And this is when they showed the WrestleMania 30 match between them for, you know, majority of the show. And they even recapped Cena and Wyatt from last week after the match. After that, we uh, getting back to the regular programming on SmackDown, which said, pr- I thought it was a pretty good promo that Alexa Bliss cut uh, with Nikki Cross, basically, you know, saying uh, last week, Oscar came in the back door, attacked her from behind. And that's fine. But next week, she's given her open invitation. Face her one-on-one. So next week, we're going to have Alexa Bliss versus Asuka. That was a pretty good promo. So then uh, we had the dirt sheet that came out. They had a little fun segment, I thought. They, they tried to do a little something different here, which is welcome to me. Uh, they came out, basically sat in their chairs, you know, did their little gimmick stuff, you know, with their chant and all that. And then they started doing impressions of basically imitating uh, the New Day, the Usos, and Heavy Machinery standing out in the crowd. They just basically spliced all this together. Uh, They had them dressed as the New Day, which I thought that was their best impression. They did the Usos, which was kind of funny. And they did Heavy Machinery dressed as Bacon, which they were calling Ham. Yeah. And uh, Miz was doing this horrible, horrible, horrible Southern accent. And I was like, I don't even think Otis and Tucker really have a Southern accent. So... I don't know who he was trying to impersonate, but yeah, that part was not good. Dressed as bacon. Yeah, so <laughs> they're big sticks of bacon. So basically wait mocked minute, all wait, the... Wait, wait, wait. I do want to say that they did a wonderful job impersonating the Usos, and they did a very good job on the New Day. Oh, yeah. The head machinery stuff was weird, but it was really entertaining. I liked it. Yeah, I thought... Yeah, I agree. New Day and Usos, their impersonations was pretty good. But the heavy machinery was so bad. It was just like, and it was the focus because they were going to challenge them. So they kept cutting back to their crappy, basically just Miz doing a bad impersonation of a Southern person. And I don't know, kind of, I was entertained by it, but then it kind of took me out of it. I did love Morrison in a giant uh, unicorn outfit. Like that was pretty hilarious. So, uh, but heavy machinery interrupts this segment. And that's what leads us to the tag team champions versus heavy machinery, which is a really good match. And uh, my girlfriend, who is not a wrestling fan, was really into this because of Otis, obviously. Really, really <laughs> the only thing worth watching on SmackDown nowadays. Uh, they had a good, you know, good match going on. But uh, Miz comes out during the middle of it, he comes to uh, jump on commentary. Uh, Michael Cole starts asking him about the Manny Rose situation, says he didn't steal her, her away from Otis. Otis missed his opportunity. And so he was there to take it, which is fair. Uh, but basically Otis took control of the match toward the end. He was in full control until Ziggler basically jumped up, started distracting him, started putting his Instagram pictures of him and Mandy on the big screen. Otis having to fight back tears. He just basically went into a rage, went after Ziggler, Morrison and Miz tried to beat him down, but he just destroyed them too. Grabbed a chair. Tucker tried to come over and talk him out of it, snap him out of his funk, said, hey man, let's get him in the ring and finish this. But Otis couldn't control his emotions and started beating him with a chair, getting them disqualified. So uh, Otis lost his emotions here, lost the match, and then he was embracing Tucker at the end, almost in tears. 
I actually thought this, the ending of this match was really well done um, as far as like, you know, getting sympathy for Otis. Cause I mean, my girlfriend, like I said, who's not a wrestling fan. I was sitting here cheering for Otis. And when she saw him embracing Tucker in tears after losing his cool, she was like, Oh, like she, she really fell for Otis. So I thought they did a good job with this. what do you guys think? I loved it. I thought it was really good. I, the, the match was, was good. The ending was really cool because even Tucker couldn't calm down Otis, and I think that's adding an extra layer to Otis. And right. then he he literally fell apart in his best friend's arms. That's not something you see in wrestling. That's something you see in you know standard television fare. And I I loved it. I just thought it was something different. And Otis is such a unique personality. I, it was great. And I have a feeling that they're going to want to break apart Otis from Tucker at some point, which I think is a bad mistake because I mean, Otis has been great and obviously everybody loves him, but Tucker has been just as important to the story. And I like him just as much almost as Otis. Like obviously Otis is the entertaining guy, but Tucker has been a really good friend to him. They've booked him really well. They're not making him like an idiot or worker. I mean, he's done great, you know, in this, in this role and like him going out and like trying to talk Otis down from, you know, and him embracing his friend after like, I thought it was all great. Like I, I really yeah. love this team. Yeah, Otis is the better, better character. Tucker's the better worker. Um, so I think they work really well as a tag team. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see Otis go a little ham. Um, kind of at this point, I kind of want Otis just to move on. Like Mandy Rose is, is not good enough for you, Otis. Yeah, I've said well, this in, in fairness, he's, he's tried to move better. on. He's tried to move on, but Dolph is like rubbing it in now. So I think that's why they're going to go with it. So, so they're going with the Mania match, obviously, Otis versus Dolph. And uh, if if he doesn't get some unprotected chair shots to the head to Dolph, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's <laughs> what needs to happen. I'm talking Mick Foley and The Rock unprotected chair shots. Uh, I don't know about that. Definitely not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, do, it for the, do it for Mandy, Otis. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the best thing on the show. Probably the only thing worth sticking around to watch. Uh, but yeah, really good stuff. And then basically... At the end, we had the contract signing between Goldberg and Roman Reigns. Uh, nothing really big happened here. They both came out, stood across the table, table from each other. Michael Cole brought up a tweet that Roman Reigns did talking about how he hit a pad for his entrance and how Goldberg slammed his head into a locker. And then Goldberg was like, I've slammed my head to 50 lockers across this country and I'm going to do the same to you or whatever. Like, it was just stupid. Was like, I didn't, I didn't like <laughs> this at all. And it, Goldberg flipped the table. They got, they, I will say the one good thing about this segment, I've seen some really good stare offs. It's like standoffs and like stare downs in like UFC where guys are really going to fight. They had a really good like stare down. It, it was pretty, you know, as, as far as they go, like I thought these dudes like did a great job with it. But other than that, it was just a segment. So that was your main event segment for the night. Uh, the show, like, like we said, not very eventful. Uh, if I had to give it a grade, I'd probably give it like a D plus slash C minus just because of Otis. Yeah. Like he's Might really the only great. thing, only thing worth watching. I'd, I'd probably also say D plus for the same reason, just because Otis was on it and he always brings it up a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I just don't, I, when, when Goldberg came out with the title, I was like, oh yeah, he's the champ. I forgot. Right. Right. But why, you know, has, I don't, have you watched the Broken Skull sessions with Steve Austin? Any of any of those? Yeah, I watched the first three. I've got through Taker, Goldberg, and Kane. 
So on the Goldberg episode, he's he's interviewing Goldberg and everything, and Goldberg's going on. He's like, yeah, you know, you know, a lot of people were really good technical wrestlers, and a lot of people really told stories with their matches, but I'm just a basic guy and I do basic things, and you know, people really liked that. And I'm thinking to myself, so basically, you're just saying you're not a good wrestler. Yeah. He's well, like, I mean, yeah, I'm not really technical, and you know, maybe I hurt some people, and you know, I don't really tell a story in my matches. And I was like, so you're not a good wrestler. It's, it's what you're telling me. You're just a big guy who who happened to get a push because you're a big guy. I think he was just trying to put over Matt Riddle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need Goldberg versus Matt Riddle for, for WrestleMania. Uh, that would not go over good. That would turn into a uh, UFC fight. Yeah. And, and Which might be pretty Matt good. Riddle, <laughs> Matt Riddle might actually surprise you in that since he is a legit fighter. Yeah. Hmm. Wasn't it, was it Chris Jericho who put uh, Goldberg down? Yeah. He yeah. took him down, but uh, yeah. he probably couldn't have kept him there for long. <laughs> did Jericho's own admission, he took him down, but was basically holding on for dear life after he did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a cheap shot on a bull, and you're just like, oh, God. what? Yeah, basically. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the show a C+. Plus. I, I really, really enjoyed the Miz and Morrison segment. Um, Otis was great. The rest of the show was just fine. It, just, it was yeah. what it was. It wasn't a bad show. It wasn't great. It's whatever. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. So let's move on to WWE Raw, and we're also going to speed around through that. And we might even go even even faster because I just I just can't. I can't. But I do <laughs> want to talk about the, the opening of the show. And Micah, I know that you didn't necessarily watch all of Raw, but can you tell me how the show opened? Uh, it opened with, guess what? A brand new camera angle. That's right. The hard cam is facing the entrance ramp, and the empty seats are all covered as well, which yeah. uh, made a much better, uh, much better perspective for the show. Uh, I thought that was a good idea. I don't know where they came up with it. Obviously, it's from Brent, uh, Vince's brilliant mind. Uh, yeah, genius. That was, genius. Yeah, that was that was really good. Um, but it didn't make the show any better because the show was boring, and I watched about ten minutes of it and turned it off. So. Yeah, that's my grade for the show. <laughs> so I will tell you that opening segment was good with Lesnar and Heyman. We were promised Lesnar and McIntyre on the show. McIntyre was on the opening segment where it was just him in a backstage interview, but it wasn't like an interview. It was like a like a recap segment, but it was new footage. So I guess it kind of counts. This was fine. This was just Lesnar putting over, or this was Heyman putting over Lesnar. It was fine. Um, I don't even remember what happens next. Where are my notes here? Mm. Oh, yeah. After that, you have uh, AJ, I'm sorry, Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar versus John Cena from WrestleMania 31. Is that right? Yeah. And like I said, I think they're they're trying to line no. this up with the. Uh... Oh, sorry. Sorry. It was a 2015 Rumble. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I remember when I saw him come in, I'm like, oh, we're going to have another Royal Rumble match. And then I'm like, oh, no, this is this is the world title match. This is good. It was good. It was a replay. I'm not going to go into it. We have AJ coming out after that, and he cuts. Most people are really loving this promo, and I'll tell you, I love AJ Styles. I'm a huge AJ Styles, Mark. This was fine. And he was just acting like, you know, soccer mom AJ Styles, joking with his pals. It was good. But it wasn't great. And a lot of people were like, this is the best promo AJ Styles cut in a long time. Incorrect. It was it was solid. But it wasn't good. His, his promo 
years ago was better. The thing that's bothered me about this whole program, and I, I touched on it a little bit uh, last week, but especially with the type of match, as I spoiled, is a bone yard match. Yeah, what like, in the world? The whole time, Styles is first of all, he got beat with two choke slams, so that's there. They're just gonna want you to forget that. But Styles is sitting here calling out Mark Calloway and Michelle McCool, talking about his wife. They've even yeah. even hinted at you know Takers, you know, come out in his like almost his American, you know, uh, badass gear, like his his biker gimmick. Like so, they're in story, at least in AJ Styles stories and promos, calling him Mark and make like humanizing him, but then they're still making him teleport in the ring. They're still doing him, you know, imagine a bone yard. Like, I'm just like, pick what you want to do. Like, that's fair. Is he a gimmick or is he not like just decide? So, so that we get announced that the street profits are defending their titles against angel Garza and Andrade, who I'm pretty sure have had one match where they won against Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo. I think they won that match. I'm not entirely sure. I don't really know. No idea. Um, yeah. So <laughs> and then after it's announced that they get the title shot, then they wrestle Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. I couldn't care less about this match because WWE no longer cares about Ricochet or Cedric Alexander, which is a travesty, but whatever. Uh, Andrade and Angel Garza got the win. Also, I did forget to mention on SmackDown, not to go backwards too much, but this is something WWE does that's really bothered me. When Tucker and Otis were coming out of the ring, they said if they win this match against the tag team champions, they might get a shot at the titles. And I was just like, right. this is what I meant earlier when I said AEW with their purses give stakes to the match, even if right. nothing's really at stake. Whereas WWE, something should be at stake. And they're like, oh, they might get it. It's, they did the same thing with Alexa and Nikki a couple weeks ago. And it just yeah, infuriates me. Like it's, are they going to get a shot or not? Like, what are they even like? Does this even matter? So. It sucked. Yeah, it did. So we also get Shane Thorne and Brandon Brendan Vink. I don't know who Brendan Vink is. I do know who Shane Thorne is. I believe they're both NXT superstars. Um, I know Shane is. They wrestled the Street Profits. Match was really short. Street Profits won. And then they hyped the tag team title match, which is totally random. I mean, just... Eh. Yeah, it's totally random. We have a 24-7 title change. Uh, R-Truth pinned Riddick Moss, so I guess we're going back to the comedy sketches, which we really should. I mean, if we're going to keep this stupid title around, it, it needs to be something like that. Don't give me Riddick Moss in the middle of the ring, and no one cares about chasing him. It's just dumb. It's stupid. So, we go to the ring. Charlie Caruso is inside the ring with Shanna Baszler. They are... They have an interview... Shayna Baszler asked, you know, Charlie, why do you look so nervous? Are you afraid I'm going to bite? Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. They do a short promo. Uh, the lights go out. They come back on. Becky Lynch is there with a still chair. She destroys Shayna Baszler with a still chair. Whatever. Nobody nobody cares about this. Like, it, it was one of the most hype. Now, you guys, you could disagree with me, okay? It's one of the most hype matches. It's probably going to be the match that headlines the Saturday episode of WrestleMania because it's too big for one night. But I just, it's just been so poorly built. Am I wrong? I mean, all of the, basically all of these matches are poorly booked. Like, other than Edge and Randy Orton, like, I'm not excited for any of these. It, WWE does a lot of this too, is they book a match that Vince wants, and then they try to create a story to go with it. There's right. no natural story here. And I think I touched on this a little last week too, that AEW does a great job of, 
taking what's, you know, either in real life or building a story. And then they make the matches out of that, which is how it should be done. Uh, obviously, if Shayna had won the Royal Rumble, there could be a natural way to make this match happen. But other than that, why are these two wrestling all of a sudden? I mean, obviously, right. they haven't even mentioned Ronda Rousey. And that's one of Shayna's best friends. Right. And I mean, Becky kind of touched on it that, you know, she just said like, oh, you were jealous of seeing me stand tall with the title. And it's like, no, how about you be her best friend on WrestleMania? And she hasn't been seen since you put her in a dark place, something like give us yeah. something like th- none of this matters. Like the story they've been telling us. So yeah, all these match, all these matches and setups have just been rushed and yeah. they're not organic. I yeah, think I even, agree. I think uh, Meltzer even said that this year's WrestleMania build has been the shortest sided uh, build for all these, the card of any WrestleMania possibly ever. And it's not because of the virus. It's not because of anything of that, but like, I think he was saying like six months ago, they didn't even know the card they were going with. Right. Normally Vince has them booked a year in advance. I don't know if it's because maybe his age, maybe he's busy with XFL, but yeah, it obviously a whole lot of thought didn't go into WrestleMania this year. No. Yeah. And it's a shame because a lot of people like Drew McIntyre, aren't going to get the WrestleMania moment like they thought they would get. Right. Rhea Ripley. They'll, go down, they'll go down in history, you know, but still it, it's not going to be the same for them. And it's a shame. And I, and I hope they, the first timers get a chance maybe next year or the year after to, to yeah. come back would be, would be great. Maybe. And, and like I said, this year, like I said, Taker just already squashed AJ like twice. And I mean, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you, Matt. Aleister Black has a random squash match after this uh, Shayna Baszler segment. And it's like, he just beat AJ. I thought he might be involved in the Undertaker match in some way, but apparently he's just back to squashing people on Raw. Like, he's just done. Just I'm pretty sure those few sentences that you said was longer than the Aleister Black match. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, he and, him. and he has nothing to do with AJ and Undertaker. He's just not there anymore. So, yeah, I don't get it. Maybe he'll show up in the boneyard. Maybe he'll they'll like he'll creep up like his entrance from a grave or something. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So Alistair Black defeated Evolve star Leon Ruff. And I think it is kind of cool that they have the NXT and Evolve guys here because they don't have all the WWE guys. It gives them a little bit of a payday when I'm sure they are, are missing out because of all this. So I think that's nice. But yeah, this was kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens is out there. He calls Seth Rollins out and... Seth Rollins comes out by himself, which, uh, uh, you know, Kevin Owens says he, he, you know, he knows that he's not alone. Um, Rollins says that none of this with Kevin Owens exists without Seth Rollins. NXT, the Performance Center, everyone owes it to him. There's no takeover, Women's Revolution, Johnny Gargano. He, he goes over the whole thing and says that everything is owed to him. And uh, Rollins says, Kevin Owens, why did you pick wrestlemania to make an example out of me which is let's be real here it's wrestlemania guys it's the way it works um and he says that he's done nothing to, to deserve to be at wrestlemania since rollins had more wrestlemania moments he can count owens has zero and uh seth rollins says kevin owens doesn't stand a chance he drops the mic and he his music hits and he kind of leaves it was weird <laughs> Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just whatever. Charlotte's backstage. She cuts promo on Rhea Ripley. I, I, I just don't care. I just don't care. 
So, Randy Orton, let's talk about this for a minute. Because of all these stupid, terrible matches in WrestleMania, even the matches, the matches could be amazing, but they're just poorly built right. There is one that stands alone that has been built really well. And I'll say McIntyre and, and, and Lesnar, it was built pretty well before, you know, all this stuff happened and, you know, the, we would go to the Performance Center shows. But Orton and Edge has been built very, very well. It's a slow burn. It's perfect for Randy Orton. Every time he came out there, we want more. Randy Orton should be talked about as one of the best of all time. Definitely one of the best of the decade, if you don't think he should be best of all time. Sure, he's no Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels in the ring, but he can keep the fans on the edge of their seats. He's wonderful on the mic. And this whole seg- this whole feud has been incredible. And in my opinion, it should be the main event for one of the two nights. But he goes in, he talks about Edge, he talks about Beth Phoenix and what he did to her. He says that Edge doesn't actually want revenge on Randy Orton. He just a, He's a junkie for his own ego. He's a junkie for the crowd reaction, and he came back to feed his own ego. Orton says that Edge told him he didn't earn his opportunity, that he was given it. But, you know, he points out that doesn't guarantee a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Take notes, Curtis Axel. Um, he talks about, he put, he basically puts himself over. I'm not going to go into all of it, but he puts himself over. And uh, he accepts the last man standing match at WrestleMania against Edge. And it was good. If you want to know more details about it, go watch it. It was a solid promo. Randy Orton and Edge both do a really good job. And I think they should keep the two apart until WrestleMania. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, David, that's another thing they've done really well on this is Edge hasn't even been here at the time. They've still been able to build it, um, you know, into something really good. And they, I mean, this one thing we said about AEW with um, like Cody and MJF not even touching before their match, uh, other than, you know, obviously getting lashes uh, as part of the match. But other than that, they didn't wrestle. They didn't have a mixed tag. Like WWE, they, they have a bad habit of just putting people together and making them have about 50 matches before they actually have the big match. And it just waters it down before they actually get there. I mean, like Rollins and Owens have wrestled a million times already. Who cares right. that they're going to have a singles match at WrestleMania? Like, who cares? So, the Orton and Edge, they they had a big angle after the Royal Rumble. They haven't, they've, haven't even been in the same ring together yet since then. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's been great. It's something that I'm actually looking forward to at WrestleMania. It's been the best thing on Raw by far uh, as far as the story goes. So, yeah, I think it's been great. Yeah, I think the only way you can really make me care about a feud is if you hold off for one big match. I don't care about feuds if they have these stupid little tag, then triples, and then they keep getting at each other in the ring. I don't care about that. But I want to finally see Edge get his hands on Randy Orton. This is probably the only match I'm really looking forward to, honestly. You know, Undertaker's one of my favorite wrestlers. I'm not looking forward to see him wrestle because I'm just going to be disappointed. All right? That's been that way for the last two or three times. But it's in a boneyard, Micah. (laughs) You know? The only thing that would really pop me for the uh, Taker-AJ Styles match was if he came out to Dead Men Walking. Yeah. And rode his bike into a boneyard, not into the arena, into a boneyard, like an actual graveyard. And I don't know, 
they pulled off some cinematic match. That would be pretty cool. If they don't have a giant Flintstones, like dinosaur bone involved in this match (laughs) as a weapon at some point, I'm going to be disappointed. That he throws on AJ Styles. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm really looking forward to Edge and Randy because of how they built up this feud. It's probably the only thing I'm looking forward to WrestleMania. Honestly, I'm looking less forward to WrestleMania because I don't want to sit through it. I especially don't want to sit through two nights. Uh, but that's just me personally. Maybe I'll be surprised. But if it's anything like these Raws and SmackDowns we're getting, I don't think I will be. And so, have they said how long these shows are going to be? Are they going to be like three hours or four hours per night? Which... They haven't stated, but they're going to be eight matches apiece, supposedly. So I'd guess about three and a half hours each. I mean, we didn't think they could get any longer on these big shows, especially now with no crowd. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it'll be good. Who knows? Micah, I know you didn't watch this show. Kyle, you want to grade it? Um, It's very similar to SmackDown. Like, had some good moments, but nothing really right on. on. I, I'd definitely give it like a D. I don't think it was as bad as last week, but still nothing great on here. So, yeah, other than agreed. the Orton segment, it's probably the best thing on it. And I understand that they, again, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. I understand they have a lot of stuff that is difficult for them. But just D plus, man. Just I don't know. It's whatever. I don't care. I don't. I didn't care about the show. I don't care about the grade. D plus. This you're fine. Yeah, especially when AEW is shown. I mean, that's the thing is, we were like, we didn't have much faith in these shows the first week they ran them in the anti arena, and it was new. But I mean, AEW came out and just did a dynamite show. I mean, they yeah. worked with what they had and they made it entertaining. WWE what? has the whole roster basically living in Florida. You can't tell me they can't just put together an entertaining show, even if it's not like, you know, every superstar like Undertaker or Stone Cold or, you know, everybody they could possibly feature. You can't put on something that's just entertaining and it's just not been. It's just been right. business as usual with no crowd and they cha- they changed the camera this week. So one step in the right direction, I guess. Okay. So let's, let's move on to trivia. And I have 10 questions for you guys. And we're going to go first to five. And some of these are pretty difficult, but I think most of these are pretty easy. I think you guys are going to get them. So you guys know the drill. You can say your name after I read the question. Now, some of these will be multiple choice, but at any point you can say your name as I'm reading those. Um, Just make sure that I, I finish reading the question. That way anyone listening can actually play along. Okay? Sweet. All right. All right. Number one. Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker at WrestleMania to end his streak. What WrestleMania was that? Kyle. Uh Uh-huh. WrestleMania 30. That is correct. Kyle is on the board with one. Yeah, they they also, uh, on SmackDown, teased that it was going to be on Fox this coming week. And they almost made it like a question, would Undertaker lose a streak? And they showed the big 21-1 and on the screen. And then they... They showed Daniel Bryan with both belts, like, and this, the question of the night, would Daniel Bryan be able to overcome? It was just, it's like, really? Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. We've seen it. Was it was pretty bad. Number two, what wrestling legend unveiled the AEW world title? Micah. Uh-huh. Brett the Hitman Hart. That is correct. Oh, one for one. Ask more AEW one. questions. Yeah. I had, <laughs> there was, that was one for one, um, or excuse me. I had a multiple choice there, but I don't think I didn't think you guys would need it. All right, Axe, Smash, and Crush were members of which WWF stable? Kyle. Uh huh. 
Demolition. That is correct. Demolition. One of them, and I think it was Smash. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. I left and Crush replaced him and everyone hated it. <laughs> and then Crush that came back awesome. as like a totally different character, but still Crush. Yeah. Exactly. Wearing purple. Question number four. What was Carrie Von Erich's wrestling name in WWF? Is it A, the Red Rooster? B, Texas Tornado? C, the Claw? Or D, the Thunder God? Micah. Yeah. I'm going to guess Red Rooster just because I've heard that name before. The Red Rooster was Terry Taylor. That is Mm. incorrect. Was it D, the Thunder God? I don't know if the Claw or the Thunder God were actually anyone. Carrie Von Erich was the Texas Tornado. Mm. I knew it was one of those two. I knew it wasn't the Claw, even though that was the Von Erich finishing move. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I put it. Right. All right. At WrestleMania 33. So I knew everything about that question except the right answer. Except the answer. Good job, Great job. All right. At WrestleMania 33, the Hardy Boys made their long-awaited return to WWE. They won the tag titles that night, but who came into the show as champions? Was it A, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable? B, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins? C, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows? Or D, The Bar, Seamus and Cesaro? Micah. Uh-huh. I have no idea. So I'm going to guess, since they came back on their debut and beat them, it was uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. That is incorrect. It is not Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> Micah? I mean, Kyle? It was The Bar. Oh, that's also incorrect. It was the OC, but at the time they were only known as Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Yeah. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. It was Who? on the WWE website. I checked it today. Huh. I guess Swarm was the bar, but never mind. I don't know. All right. <laughs> there is no multiple choice here, and this one's kind of hard. Okay. Who was the first ever WWE Women's Champion? Kyle. Uh-huh. Uh, Fabulous Moolah. That is correct. Did you just kind of pull that one out of your butt, or did you? No, I, I couldn't remember if there was anybody before her. I knew she was like definitely one of the first, but I couldn't. Okay. wasn't sure if someone was before her. All right. AEW question, Micah. Oh, boy. John Moxley premiered at AEW Double or Nothing. What two wrestlers did he attack? Is it A, Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes? B, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega? C, Chris Jericho and Adam Page? Or D, Matt and Nick Jackson? Micah. Yeah. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. That is correct. Yeah. Also, the chip that he stood on cost $7,000. Yeah, I remember seeing that on BTV. (laughs) All right. Who did The Undertaker face at SummerSlam 1994? Is it A, Jake the Snake Roberts? B, Kane? C, Triple H? Or D, The Undertaker? Micah. Yeah. The Undertaker. That is correct. That was the Purple Gloves, Gray Gray Gloves, Undertaker. The Underfaker. Ted DiBiase's Taker, wasn't it? Sorry? Wasn't it like Ted? Some, didn't Ted DiBiase have something to do with it? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. I don't honest. think that he did. Ago. If Dwight was here, he would know. I think it's just Dwight right in. Yeah, yeah, Dwight. Tell us in the comments. Uh, okay, guys. Hulk Hogan gave a promo in the ring 
at the beginning, I think it was the beginning, of WrestleMania 30. What two wrestlers joined him in the ring? Kyle. Uh-huh. Stone Cold and The Rock. That is correct. It's a WrestleMania moment, baby. Mm-hmm. That was a good one, too, actually. And Hulk Hogan got the name of the place wrong. Yeah. The Superdome, right? Yeah. I don't remember what he said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and this is the 10th question, so if you guys don't get this right, or if Kyle doesn't get this, actually, we're going to have to do a tiebreaker with, I'm going to give you guys, uh, like we did last week, a wrestler's name. You're going to have to tell me their real name. Oh, Lord. All right. Who was the first ever WWE hardcore champion? Micah. Uh-huh. Mick Foley. The answer is Mankind, but I will take Mick Foley. Congratulations. It is four to four. Yeah, I just watched uh, Beyond the Mat the other day, and I saw Vince McMahon give him the. It was it was mankind, but they're all McFoley to me. So next time, gave him the belt. McFoley seems like a very nice person in real life. I would very much so like to meet him. Yeah, he's supposed to be like a super super nice guy. Yeah, it was it was crazy. He's it, Santa it was, Claus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's gotten grumpy over the years, but from what I saw, he seemed like a very nice person. No, he's the nicest person in wrestling by many people's accounts. All right, this is a hard one, guys. I'm going to give you guys a real name, and I'm going to give you multiple choice on who the wrestler is. All right? So in AEW, there is a man whose real name is Noah Nelms. Micah. What is his, what is his ring name? Marco Stunt. That is correct. Marco Stunt, how'd you know that? Because I know Marco Stunt's real name. I had absolutely no clue. None. Yeah. I can't he, also has, he has some music released um, under that name. Well, he has like really? a cool talent show kind of thing where he played and a couple other little things he did. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I sent it to you or not. Have you seen the MJF acapella group? No. MJF was in an acapella group. And not only that, he rapped in the acapella group. Oh my gosh, please share that to the page. Guys, yeah. it, as soon as we're done here, it, you it will might be that for <laughs> You will see that, uh, well, it'll be the night before, because I'll go ahead and post it now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, MJF in an acapella group, and he raps. It's like 20 minutes long. It's like a whole performance. That's so, incredible. Buckle up. Andrew Bernard, MJF, is coming for you. That makes me very happy. Makes me very happy. So Kyle. I have one again. Uh, I believe that is. It also Am means I, I got screwed one more time, as I uh, <laughs> rightly predicted. Matt there were like tie three eight 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 eight. I got them all right. So, yeah, I didn't hear. I didn't hear any of that. None of that came through, guys. <laughs> we're all the same point. Yeah, there you go. So, for thirty seconds, Kyle, let me get my let me get my clock here. <sighs> I want you to tell me why wrestling without fans. Is better than with fans. And go. Wrestling is better without the fans because not only do we get to see the wrestlers for what they are, artists, they go in the ring and they perform and they just wrestle their hearts out and they create their art in the ring. And we don't have these idiots in the crowd yelling and booing and you know cheering for the wrong person, but also Oh, it's so much better on our noses. All these fat slobs in the crowd stinking up the joint. We don't need those people in the Performance Center. Those giant fans on SmackDown that you see spin around, they could not keep the stink out of this building. So SmackDown is that much better because all these slobs are not stinking up the place every Friday right. night. We're past 30 seconds, but that's good. That was a pretty I good help. I ran about these fat idiots. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. 
That's a really, really old, really old school Hill promo. You did a great job. You did a good job. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 92 of Russell Life Radio. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Maybe Kyle will win a trivia one of these days. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you can follow us at Russell Life Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at Russell Life Pod. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Follow me at Russell Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. Special thanks to Rain for filling in for us last week, and make sure to listen to Bubble Bath Stories because I will as as this is being recorded, they're uploading. So if you're listening to this podcast, I should be on their latest episode. Ladies and gentlemen, one last time, we want to let you know that we very much appreciate you, and we also want to announce. And I know we haven't had two episodes a week in the last couple of weeks; we've only had one. I want to announce that next week for WrestleMania, if all goes as planned, starting Monday. We will have a show every single day leading up to WrestleMania. Ooh. Every day. So guys, do us a big favor. And I know what we always say, please share and tell your friends. But this is WrestleMania week, and it's a really big deal to us. So if you know anyone that likes wrestling, even if you don't, if you'll just share this on your social media, we will really, really appreciate it. Because this is the biggest week of the year for us. And we really want to thank you guys for supporting us throughout the year but especially this week if you could share every little thing that we post we'd very much appreciate it and that's it that's it for wrestle life radio episode 92 we hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful day jim ross jim ross retweeted wwe porn oh my gosh what (laughs)